and there's intimacy on the radio and there's naturalness on the radio that can never be replicated on TV. The marvelous resurgence of radio as a political force in this country. News-related radio programming is evolving. There's a huge hole in our dialogue that can be filled by the synthesis of traditional radio and the freedom that comes from a live podcast. You're about to experience Cowboy State Politics Live. Here we go. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to yet another mind-blowing installment of Cowboy State Politics Live from very high above all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media. This is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver cowboy state politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. I have to tell you, it is great to be back into the swing of things. I mean, we all go on vacation, and it's great and all, you know, getting away trying not to pay attention to the news, doing things that you're not usually, that you're not used to doing. But there's something about getting back and finally getting back to work and the routine and being able to come back and sit behind this microphone. Ah, it's fantastic, my friends. So we begin this morning in the cow pie. Oh, wait, wait, I was going to give you a little preview of what's going on in today's episode. We've got a lot of environmental news. It seems that the cowboy or the cow pie and the red star are all about the environment. Not just climate change, my friends, but those little critters that run around in it. So we begin with the cow pie. In an article entitled, Shady Network Sends Wyoming Feral Cats to Slaughter as Congress Moves... Uh, uh, wait a minute. No, no, it doesn't say feral cats. It says Mustangs. Ah, well, if you didn't know, they're pretty much the same thing. Both of them are feral animals and are not wild. Anyway, the article says, and I quote, Wyoming Mustangs are shipped to slaughter in Mexico through shady deals with kill buyers, said some wild horse advocates who applauded the United States Congress moving to crack down on the practice. Quote, Wyoming's home to the second largest number of wild horse herd outside of Nevada. We can reasonably assume that Mustangs get gathered here have been adopted, sold, or sent to slaughter in Mexico, Chad Hansen told the Casper State uh, Casper told the Cowboy State Daily. He and his wife Lynn founded the Wyoming Mustang Institute, a wild horse advocacy group. Hold the phone, my friends. There are no wild horses in Wyoming. There are none. Wild connotes that they have never been domestic. 
They are not wild animals. The wild horses you see as you're traveling probably along I-80 in southern Wyoming are not feral, are not wild at all. In fact, they're, they're a result of horses either being released or getting free out of the corral or something. They're not, they're non-native species. See, the horse isn't even a native species to Wyoming or to North America for that matter. We brought them here. So really, the, uh, the wild Mustang, as the cow pie calls them, are no different than feral cats. You see, in Wyoming, feral cats are a predator, okay? And they're on the list of things that you can shoot without a license. They're a nuisance. See, what happens with cats is they get out of, the, get out of, the, you're out of your house and they just run wild. And cats procreate about as fast as dogs do. And so you're allowed to shoot them because... A, they're a non-native species, B, they're not a game animal, and C, they're a nuisance to about everything. And if you know anything about wild horses, which evidently the people at the cow pie don't, horses do the same thing. I mean, they a, a herd of wild horses will run through a fence like nobody's business. I mean, they don't even slow down. Um, you know, most people think, well, the horses will jump over the fence. And in some cases, that's true, but not most of the time. Most of the time, they're like a herd of elk. They don't even slow down. They just run right through them. Uh, similarly, these wild horses cause a significant amount of damage for livestock. And, and it's not just it's not simply because they're not like wolves and they go out and feed on a cow. Uh, they eat all of the grass. And so all of these quote unquote Mustangs that everybody is worried about are not are not wild animals at all. They're not here. They're they're an invasive species. So by invasive species, I mean things like have you ever heard the term uh, zebra mussel? Yeah, that's the one that the Wyoming Game and Fish is is inspecting your boat for anytime you you try to bring it into Wyoming and put it in the water. It's a non-native invasive species that typically the state tries to. But because of environmental groups, and that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today with all this environmental news, but environmental groups latch on to, to critters that are, that are kind of sympathetic to the public, and then they try to enact environmental because of them. So in the case of wild mustangs, it's a case of trying to restrict the habitat that these, quote, mustangs or feral horses live on. And if you can restrict the, the property that these, these critters live on, then you can control it and you can reduce the amount of BLM leases that ranchers can have access to. Uh, you can reduce hunting because, you know, we can't damage the the wild Mustangs. No, no, we can't put them in a situation where they might be winged by a stray bullet. My point here, my friends, is none of the environmental policy that is coming out of the Biden administration is based in actual science. None of it. Not a bit. It's all environmentalism. And when we get to the story about them breaking ground on the Trans-West transmission line, which that's on the front page of the Pravda on the Plat this morning, I'll point it out to you. But the whole point here is that it's environmentalism that's meant to control not the animals, but you. So anytime you see the word Mustang, it's a made-up term. Now, it's true that, you know, a Mustang is a... is a horse that has not been uh, um, not had anything chopped off, but they are not wild animals and they are not native to Wyoming. They're an invasive species. And like everything else, we need to conserve them. And how do you do that? 
So uh, we can make a bargain and say that, you know, all right, so we have horses that have come that have become wild, that were domestic, but are now feral. And, you know, we can manage them just like every other population of animal that we do in Wyoming. But see, the federal government doesn't want that. They don't want conservation. None of those people are interested in conserving any of the resources we have. Now, perhaps I should explain what the difference between conservation and preservation is. So, uh, I mean, the term, just like every other term that you hear in the news, um, it's getting all muddied. Okay, and what what the left tries to do is take a term that we all understand and change the definition of it. So by conservation, as it has always been understood, it is using the resources you have responsibly. So in other words, we conserve the elk population in Wyoming. We figure out how many elk are running around and then we issue enough permits uh, to cull the population so that the so that the population of elk is manageable. That's why we have hunting licenses and they generate a significant amount of revenue. But if you notice in the papers not that long ago, there was a, a number of articles that were talking about the reduction in antelope licenses. Same thing there. We had a huge winter kill and there aren't that many antelope running around. So the Game and Fish reduced the amount of licenses to protect the herd. They're conserving the herd. Now, preservation is exactly the opposite of all of that. Preservation is leaving things completely untouched by human hands. That has disastrous impacts, one of which is disease. All animal populations have disease when the population reaches a critical mass. And it doesn't matter what the animal is, whether it's people or elk or fish or, or mice or rabbits or feral horses. Disease happens when, when the population reaches a critical mass. There's a couple of those. Everybody has heard of chronic wasting disease. When there's an overabundance of ungulates, un an ungulate is a four-legged hooved animal. Um, when there's an overabundance of them, disease spreads rapidly. So that's chronic wasting disease. There's blue tongue in cattle. There's uh, uh, whirling disease. And that one's an interesting one. It causes the fish to swim in a circle. But that's why all of the populations have to be managed. And, and interestingly enough, it's also why populations of people are managed. That's why you have zoning ordinances and things like that. So to suggest that that we, we shouldn't conserve the animal populations we have is just... Um, to admit that you're not doing anything based on science. So anyway, this whole wild Mustang thing, it's absolutely, absolutely a stupid idea. And the United States Congress is getting involved in it. Uh, from the article, quote, this Hansen guy is he's the one that started the wild horse advocacy organization, quote, I'm glad to see Congress take up a pair of bipartisan bills. I'm sure they're really bipartisan. Well, they might be aimed at strengthening and making permanent and a uh, uh, permanent the current federal ban on horse slaughter, along with the addition of a ban on exporting horses to other nations for the same purpose. Blah, 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 blah. Now, here's an interesting point, though. Guess who sponsored, co-sponsored the bill? None other than rhino Lindsey Graham. Now, I know that he's on Fox News all of the time, and everybody thinks that Lindsey Graham is a conservative, but he's really not. Nope. He's a rhino, just like Mark Gordon. Oh, did I say that? Uh, we'll get to him in a little bit. From the article, and I quote, Senators Robert Menendez, the Democrats Democrat, and Lindsey Graham, Republican of South Carolina, introduced a Senate bill. And its, and its intent is to stop the slaughter of wild horses. 
This is kind of akin to you guys remember back in the 90s uh, when President Clinton introduced a bill to increase jobs by increasing the amount of cattle guards funding for cattle guards. I mean, this is the same lack of logic that Clinton had. None of these people understand the actual situation on the ground. And, and so they're just enacting policy to deal with a situation that they don't understand. And I mean, it's no different with all this wild horses or any of it. But they're but the cow pie, and this is the last point on, on this one, they say, and I quote, after a year, the person will receive title, and they're talking about wild horse adoption or feral horse adoption, as it were. So anyway, this uh, they're talking to a BLM official, and the BLM official says, and I quote, after the year, and that's a year of adopting the horse, uh, the person will receive title to the horse, thus becoming the official owner. At this point, the horse becomes their private property. Now, wait a minute. I thought we were all supporting the rights of animals here. How can animals be property? And if they are private property, why can't people dispose of them in any manner they see fit? Why is it no different than the cow that's out in your pasture that you take to the sale barn and make a few bucks off of? My friends, there's no difference here. All of these people are not interested in conservation whatsoever. They're interested in preservation, and ultimately they're interested in controlling you through their faux environmental policies. You know, and actually, I'm gonna kind of switch gears here for just a, just a second. There was a couple stories I've been watching this week, and I, I find them fascinating. I'm sure all of you have heard about the submarine that went missing down around the Titanic. Uh, <laughs> Okay, first of all, why does anyone want to get want to get in a tiny submarine and go visit the Titanic? I'm sure it would be something cool to watch, but you have or cool to see. But you have got to hear about this submarine and then ask yourself, why the heck would you get in that thing? Uh, but here's a little piece I found on Twitter, and he's, he's talking to the C, They're talking to the CEO of this submarine company. Listen to this an experimental submersible vessel that has not been approved or certified by any regulatory body and could result in physical injury, disability, emotional trauma, or death. Where do I sign? Oh! Take your shoes off, that's customary. Okay. Wow! Inside, the sub has about as much room as a minivan. So this is not your grandfather's submersible. <laughs> we only have one button, that's it. It should be like an elevator. You know, like it shouldn't elevator. take a lot of skill. The Titan is the only five-person sub in the world that can reach Titanic depths 2.4 miles below the sea. It's also the only one with a toilet, sort of. And yet, I couldn't help noticing how many pieces of this sub seemed improvised. We can use these off-the-shelf components. I got these from uh, Camper World. Yeah. We run the whole thing with this game controller. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> A game controller? I mean, who in their right mind would get in there? I mean, you, you step foot in the thing and they say, yeah, you see this PlayStation controller? And that's what it is, is it one of those old PlayStation controllers. This is how we're going to control this submarine. Oh, yeah. And we did get some parts from Camper World. What type of a moron would set foot in something like that? And all the people in the media are wondering why this thing went missing. It probably sprung a leak. You know, Camper World isn't exactly known for their submersible equipment. Oh, wow. People are dumb, my friends. Well, the other story, I'm sure you also heard of this one, is that Durham finally went to Capitol Hill to testify in front of Congress. Now, of course, the Democrats, they don't want to talk about what's actually in the report. 
Well, there was a particular exchange between one of the Democrats and and Durham, and his response to the question is just amazing. Uh, here's here's what the Democrat said, and then Durham's response. It's a question. I tried to follow your report. Mr. Donald Trump Jr. would have called it a, a nothing burger. Mm-hmm. You got no convictions. You got nothing. It was all set up to hurt the Mueller report, which was correct and was redacted, to hurt the Bidens and to help Trump. And you were a part of it. You have a good reputation. You had a good reputation. That's why the two Democrats supported you. But the longer you hold on to Mr. Barr and this report that Mr. Barr gave you as special counsel, your reputation will be damaged. As everybody's reputation who gets involved with Donald Trump is damaged, he's damaged goods. There's no good dealing with him because you will end up on the bottom of a pyre. I yield back the balance of my time. Sure. Can we uh, presume the gentleman's undecided on on how he feels about the former president? (laughs) Gentlemen, witness can respond. Yeah, my uh, concern about my reputation is with uh, the people who I respect and my family and my Lord. And I'm perfectly comfortable with my reputation with them, sir. <laughs> my re- I'm secure with my reputation with the people I respect. <laughs> oh, it's just amazing, my friends, the dumb things that these people say. So after the break, and actually we've gone a little bit long, so we're going to take a quick break here. But after the break, we're going to talk about what's on the front page of the Red Star. And they're all excited about this Trans-West Transmission Project that they broke ground on the other day. And we'll do that after a quick and totally obscene profit timeout. My friends, a lot of people in Wyoming say that we really only have two seasons, winter and construction. And while it's true that winter does consume a large part of our existence here in the cowboy state, I have to beg to differ. I think we do have all four seasons, and sometimes we have them all in the same week. So while you're putting on the chains, trekking through the snow, or wading through the mud, you should really of those feet of yours no matter what unfortunate circumstance you've got yourself into. The Buffalo Wool Company makes the most amazing socks that I've ever worn. They'll keep you warm in the winter and dry in the summer, and they have a wide variety of different socks. They've got some crew socks for if you wear tennis shoes or all the way up to boot socks. So it doesn't really matter what you're doing outside during this Wyoming spring, you should probably be wearing a pair of Buffalo Wool Company socks. Go to their website, thebuffalowoolco.com, and take care of those feet of yours, because they certainly take care of you. As you no doubt are keenly aware, I'm a fan of just about any Wyoming company. Just about, I said. And one of them you should really check out is New Trend Hats. They're a company that's based in Kemmerer. They make those hats with a really cool ponytail hole on top of them. And right now, they have a wide selection of hats for both men and women. Being as cold as it is, you definitely don't want your ears to get cold either. So go check out New Trend Hats. I'm sure you'll find one to keep those ears of yours nice and toasty warm. That's New Trend Hats. And now, back to the program. 
it's no secret that everybody in the current administration is focused on one thing, taking your money through any means necessary. And the most recent one that appears on the front page of the Red Star this morning is climate change. That's all that it's about, and well, and their so-called renewable energy. But I want to preface this by, uh, by a quotation from our current Congresswoman, Harriet Hageman. She has a, a perfect way of putting exactly what all of these people are up to. Here it is, and then, I'll, then we'll get to the article. Anyone who wants to ensure access to clean and affordable energy, it is under constant attack by the ever-increasing and more restrictive rules issued from on high by the unelected bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. And who suffers? The citizens of this country, with the poorest among us suffering the most. I believe that there truly is a special place in hell for people who adopt policies that are designed to create energy poverty, a situation where families must choose between buying food or heating their homes or putting gas in their cars. This will be one of Biden's lasting legacies, shared misery for everyone except the liberal elite. Quite simply, we cannot afford the woke energy agenda being pursued by President Biden. Exactly right. There is a special place in hell for anyone who enacts policies that intentionally increase the price of energy, food, housing, or all of the above. To the Red Star, in an article entitled, More Than a Decade in the Making, Trans-West Transmission Project Breaks Ground. And I quote, some of them have been waiting more than a decade, but a slate of Trans West Express company leaders and federal and state officials smiled Tuesday afternoon as their shovels hit the earth to usher in a new phase of the Trans West Express transmission project, a high voltage power line that will carry renewable energy from southern Wyoming to California. TransWest CEO Bob Miller, United States Secretary of Energy General Jennifer Granholm, United States Secretary of the Interior Deb Holland, and Governor Mark Gordon and TransWest COO Roxanne Peruso break, broke ground on the TransWest tra transmission line on Tuesday. The groundbreaking caps a decade-and-a-half-long permitting process that required the co cooperation of a handful of states and numerous federal and local agencies. The more than 100 people in attendance were jovial, sharing handshakes, hugs, and relief amid a clear day and blustery Wyoming wind. The Bureau of Land Management has issued a final approval for the project in April, ending the permitting process that began in 2008 and it spanned the Obama, Trump, and Biden administrations. You just don't see projects of this scope scale anywhere, Miller said in an interview with the Red Star. My friends, it's interesting to note who was in attendance to, at all of this stuff. Now, the first one that the Red Star mentions was Jennifer Granholm, the Secretary of Energy. Now, if you've forgotten who that lady is, maybe this will remind you. What is the Granholm plan to increase oil production in America? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that is hilarious. Would that I had the magic wand on this. As you know, of course, uh, oil is a global market. It is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is called OPEC. And they made a decision yesterday that they were not going to increase beyond what they were already planning. Would that I had the magic wand on this one. 
<laughs> the article continues. Quote, we know that clean energy transmission lines and renewable energy projects on public lands will help communities across the country to be part of the climate solution while creating good paying jobs. Now, all of these people are saying this in Wyoming. Now, you would think that they would have got a little pushback from anybody who was in attendance, but no, because you had the venerable Mark Gordon there. You know, he supports this. But it would, now, hold on a minute, Dave. I thought that Mark Gordon was a rancher. He told all of us that he was a conservative. Right. The Mark Gordon who used to be on the board of the Sierra Club. The Mark Gordon who helped start the Powder River Basin Resource Council. The Mark Gordon who all along has supported this climate agenda. Who behind closed doors says crazy things like, like how much he supports the... Uh, handling the effects of climate change, but in public says that climate change is, is ridiculous. But who is this Deb Holland character? Well, she's the, the secretary of the, or the head of the Department of Interior. Not that long ago, Harriet Hegeman had her in a committee meeting uh, for the House of Representatives. Uh, here's just a, the first piece of this, and there's a couple of them. They're a little bit long, so I've split them up. But just listen to how brilliant Deb Holland is in front of Representative Hageman. I recognize this the gentlelady from Wyoming. Ms. Hageman, you're recognized for a few minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Madam Secretary, have there been any new coal leases or lease modifications approved either for thermal or met coal under your leadership at the Department of Interior? Thank you, Congresswoman. I, I know that the, this um, uh, Met Coal um, question came um, up earlier. Uh, um, We're happy to have the BLM uh, or someone from that um, bureau be in touch with you about isn't that. that. Your bureau? I couldn't say specifically which projects have been approved or permitted and which haven't. Well, are there any outstanding coal lease or lease modification applications currently pending before the Department of Interior? Congresswoman, I'm more than happy to make sure that we can um, uh, get that list to you if, uh, if that's okay with you. But the BLM is committed uh, to the district court that reinstated the coal leasing program moratorium that it will initiate the remedial environmental analysis shortly. So we are so working on this issue. You don't have an answer for my question as you sit here today? Uh, Congresswoman, we'll be happy to get back with you about the number okay. of permits, if that's what you're asking. Um, do you know how long the applications that are pending before the, the DOI have been pending, and what is the reason for the delay? Congresswoman, I know that um, our staff works on permitting um, every day. It's hard to say uh, why, why some take longer than others. However, um, I do want to let you know that um, the BLM has, um, um, has made me aware of um, the importance of the project that you are talking about. Oh, um, um, er, um, um, I'll get back to you on it. Um, this person is a moron and she's in charge of the Department of the Interior. Now they're all, they're all concerned about the, about development of oil and gas and coal because, you know, it just tears up too much, too much land and it's too burdensome and, you know, it just disturbs everything. Have you ever seen them building a transmission line? You know how much, uh, how big of an area they disturb? 
A normal transmission line has a right-of-way of at least 200 feet. 200 feet by, and according to the article, this pipeline is 783 miles long. So 200 feet by 783 miles. That is a significant amount of disturbance. Now, if you go over to Gillette and look at the coal mines, you won't be able to tell the difference between land that they've reclaimed and land that has yet to be disturbed. The truth is that energy companies are far more responsible than is the federal government in reclaiming disturbed land. It doesn't, it doesn't make any economic sense for an energy company to tear up a piece of property and then not put it back the way that they did in the first place. It is far less expensive to do your job right the first time than to have to go and fix whatever that you were doing. So that's the first point. The second point is none of these people are interested in energy security, energy independence, or any of that. It is a climate agenda that is designed to take more of your money. Soundbite, Representative Hageman goes after Deb Holland about exactly what is the purpose of this climate agenda and what they're trying to do to people like you and me. Take a listen to this one. Okay. Uh, Madam Secretary, do you believe energy poverty is a good thing? I don't know the term, ma'am. You've never heard of the phrase energy poverty? I have not heard of that term, but I... Uh, it's probably pretty self-explanatory, though, don't you think? Well, I think what we're really trying to do with our clean energy goals is make energy more affordable for okay, every American. So I'd like you to answer my question, which is, do you believe energy poverty is a good thing? In other words, that people going into poverty are being unable to fo afford food or medicine or things like that because of the rising cost of energy. Do you think that's a good thing? Congresswoman, I understand the challenges that many Americans face. I raised my child as a single mom okay. and had to decide whether I could pay the rent or my student loans or so you, buy you, a gas bill. So I understand that. It's yes, very so, difficult. Yes, so you agree that energy poverty is not a good thing, is that right? Um, I, th I want to uh, say that uh, we are working very hard to make energy more efficient and more affordable, which well, is why we're moving forward on our clean energy but, goals. But that isn't the case. Coal is an affordable energy, isn't it? It has been for decades. I, I know that um, our country uh, relied on coal for a very long time, and we're very grateful for so many of the workforce that uh, powered our nation for a right. very and, long time. And coal time. is an affordable energy, isn't it? Ma'am, I, I <laughs> want to say that um, President Biden believes in energy independence for our country, and I believe that using uh, different energy sources around the country will help communities everywhere and including will coal, keep energy more affordable. Including coal and oil and gas, correct? Uh, Congresswoman, we are in a transition currently to a clean energy future, and I believe very strongly that we will get there and energy will be more affordable. So then energy year. poverty is a policy of this administration, from what I can tell from your answers. Congresswoman. Okay, you get the point. But obviously, energy poverty is a point of this administration. That's what they're trying to do is to make you poorer through higher energy costs. And that is exactly what all of this renewable energy would do. And by the way, none of it is really renewable. Um, the environmental impacts are far greater with a windmill than they would be with a pipeline transporting uh, natural gas or oil. 
It's absolutely the truth. If you've ever looked at the base of one of these windmills, it's it looks like a giant oil spill. Nothing about a windmill, which is exactly what these transmission lines are for, nothing about a windmill is green. Not a thing. All of them are, I mean, yes, they, they do, like the wind does power them, but all of them are lubricated with tremendous amounts of oil. You have to disturb the ground with, with non-recyclable concrete. I mean, there is all sorts of things about all of these windmills, and none of it is renewable. The whole point is to take more of your money and to make you poorer. Now, the last idiot that they talked about was Governor Mark Gordon. And yes, I said that intentionally. He told the Casper Star Tribune, and I quote, We know that we don't have time to waste. We have to move with diligence forward to make sure that we address the issue of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere with alacrity, with diligence, and with dedication. And today, we've gathered here, we see the first steps that we're taking to make sure that the action that's absolutely necessary to keep us from climate peril. Governor Mark Gordon is not a conservative. He's been a climate change fanatic from the very beginning. In an article published in the Cow Pie uh, last year, he said, and I quote, with a new generation of advanced, uh, excuse me here, oh, here we go. Uh, with a new generation of advanced nuclear reactors being deployed, including one in Kemmerer that require high assay, low enriched uranium, a higher enriched uranium that is what the United States currently produces, we must invest now in the infrastructure to ensure that the advanced reactor fuel cycle can be domestic. As we grapple with the twin-headed monster of energy security and climate change, we must be strategic. That's an article that was written by none other than Mark Gordon. And it was submitted to the Cow Pie June 11th of 2022. Mark Gordon is one of these climate change activists. Let's take another quick break, and then we'll get back to the program. Cowboy State Politics is your source for fair, true journalism in the state of Wyoming. I know it's crazy to think that the most conservative state in the country only has one really conservative news outlet, and you're listening to it. Now, you can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps, iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com. There, you can find all of the shows, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If you're one of these guys that thinks that you're informed because you pay attention to the Wyoming press, well, what you need to do is go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article, and educate yourself, and find out that you've been wrong all along. Yeah, I know. It's probably going to hurt your feelings, but sometimes that's necessary. Just ask the Redcoats. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And then every Thursday at 10 a.m., Cowboy State Politics Live. You know, the program you're listening to right now. I cover mostly national issues on the Thursday program. You know, the stuff that we don't get to at other points during the week. You can find the link to the live program at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. So check out all the Cowboy State Politics episodes every single week. And now 
back to the program. Gentlemen, it's been confirmed. We've been right all along from Breitbart yesterday. Oh, what have we been right about? Ha! Huh. Well, that conservative women are hotter than liberals. So says ChatGPT. In an article from Breitbart entitled AI Model Identifies Conservative Women as More Attractive and Happy Than Leftists, as if we had any doubt. Quote, a recent study reveals that an AI model has found conservative women to be more attractive and happier in photographs than leftist women. The AI model's findings specifically indicate that high attractiveness scores were associated with females identified as likely to be conservative. The New York Post reports that according to the recent study, the AI clearly identified conservative women as hotter. Interestingly, the AI's model analysis revealed a correlation between political inclination and attractiveness scores among women, with the study stating for females, though not males, high attractiveness scores were found among those the model identified as likely to be conservative. The scientists stated, attractiveness is not the only well, it was not the only correlative of model predicted ideology. We also found that expressing happiness is associated with conservatism for both genders. Previous work has found smiling in photographs to be a valid indicator of extroversion. They added, and while extroversion is not broadly associated with ideology, some studies have found that right wing politicians are more extroverted. The scientists concluded. Politicians on the left and right may have different incentives for smiling. For example, smiling faces may have been found to look more attractive, which is comparatively important for conservative politicians. Future work is needed to explore the extent to which happy faces are indicative of conservatism outside of the samples of politicians. But like I said, we already knew that, gentlemen. Conservative women are hotter. They like things like guns, fishing, hunting, the mountains. And honestly, I mean, if you're not if you're not a conservative by the time you're 40, you probably don't have a brain because you started paying taxes and you don't understand why the taxes are so high. Oh, as it turns out, do you guys know what the definite or the, the difference between a leftist woman and a conservative woman is? Well, the bulge in the conservative woman's pants is a gun, usually. <laughs> Moving on, Joe Biden spills sensitive intelligence about Chinese spy balloon to campaign donors. Yet another revelation of the blatantly obvious. Quote, the New York Times reported that at a fundraiser, Biden set off into what appeared to be an unplanned riff about the spy balloon incident, revealing what United States intelligence agencies had learned about the internal confusion in Beijing during the incident. According to the Times, Biden told about 130 guests in attendance at the fundraiser that the reason why Xi Jinping got very upset in terms of when I shot that balloon down, by the way, not not before it transversed the entire country uh, with two boxcars full of spy equipment in it is that he didn't know it was there. Quote, no, I'm serious. That's what a, that's what that's what's a great embarrassment for dictators when they didn't know what happened. 
So this is also the event where Biden, of course, referred to Xi Jinping as a dictator. You know, before Biden's already always said, well, you know, we're really good friends and, you know, everything is gravy with China. He said President Xi uh, was really upset. And let's see here. What else? Uh, And what he was really upset about is that I insisted that we reunite the so-called quad. He called me and the quad is a um, is a coalition of countries, United States, Japan, Australia, and India. And he said, all we're doing, we're not trying to surround you. We're just trying to make sure the international rules of fair uh, with air and sea lanes remain open. And we're not going to yield to that. He also reportedly tried to assure donors about China. Don't worry about China. I mean, worry about China, but don't worry about China. No, but I really mean it. China is real, has some real economic difficulties. Our moron in chief can't keep his lips closed, which is why uh, the people in his administration get so scared every single time he's around a microphone. I mean, the guy is a walking disaster. He doesn't know what planet he's on. And if you listen to anything he says, you'll notice that he has good days, but most of the time he has really, really bad days where he has no idea what's going on. But consider consider the alternative, my friends. If Joe Biden steps, steps down, guess who becomes the president? Kamala Harris. I tend to think that that would be a much bigger disaster than the one we already have in the White House. Kamala Harris is an idiot. Or there's another possibility. Perhaps Kamala is some sort of evil genius and she's trying to lead us all to believe that she's an idiot. I don't know. But the point is that that Joe Biden, I mean, as bad as he is, is definitely worse or better than the alternative. Next up. The Biden administration moves to restore endangered species protections dropped by Trump. Now, this is a this is always a big issue for Wyoming. Uh, It comes from comes to us from the Pravda on the Platte. And I quote, the United States Fish and Wildlife Service said it would reinstate a decades old regulation that mandates blanket protections for for species newly classified as threatened. Okay, now this is a difference. There's a difference between threatened and endangered. Okay, it's two different classifications. If a species is is classified as threatened, it allows them to take control of all sorts of different things. This is where the sage grouse is right now. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service has determined that the sage grouse is a threatened species, and that's why there can't be any oil and gas development within, I think it's a mile of a sage grouse lek. Uh, maybe I should explain what that is. See, say, when sage grouse are mating, they kind of dance around. And they typically go back to the same area every single time to do their little dance. It's actually kind of cool to watch, Uh, but it sort of looks like a giant circle in the dirt. Now, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service says that if those leks, as they're called, are disturbed, then the animals won't come back and mate. But this is this is total BS. Um, I mean, there's. I've seen oil and gas developments that are right next door to a lek, and they have no impact on the animal whatsoever. It's just another attempt to take control of private property under the guise of of environmentalism. So back to the article. The blanket protections regulation was dropped in 2019 as part of a suite of changes to the application of the species law that were encouraged by industry, even as extinctions accelerated globally due to habitat loss and other pressures. Now, here's here's kind of an important part of this one. Officials also no longer consider economic impacts when deciding if animals and plants need protection. This is 
conservation and preservation thing I was talking about earlier in the program. And the rules make it easier to designate areas as critical for a species survival, even if it is no longer found in those locations. So in other words, if the if the BLM happens upon a sage grouse lek and they and no animal has used that thing in 20 years, they can still restrict that area for development. They can take complete control over it. Skip a couple paragraphs and it says they'll face strong pushback from Republican lawmakers who say Joe Biden's Democrat administration has hampered oil, coal and natural gas development and favors conservation over development. Now, this, again, is the difference I was talking about between the two, because the administration is not interested in conservation whatsoever. They're not interested in the responsible use of our resources. They're not interested in any of that. In fact, what they want is preservation. And that is not doing anything with the property. Now, let me just give you one example of what that leads to. Um, I know several listeners to Cowboy State Politics moved to Wyoming from California. One of the reasons why you have giant wildfires every single year in California is they haven't allowed logging in a really long time. And so all of the forests, I mean, are chock full of kindling that's lying on the ground. The reason why we log in Wyoming is to prevent forest fires. And, you know, it's not like when and it's really confusing because, you know, people say, well, we're going to clear cut this area. And it doesn't mean that we're going to cut down all of the trees all over a specific area. It does, however, mean that we're going to select a specific area of trees and I don't remember the measurement, but it's they cut a huge swath and it's it's no more than like 50 yards wide. And they clear cut the trees in that in that spot and then they skip a little bit and they do it again. So you get kind of a checkerboard pattern. And what clear cutting does is one, it reduces the likelihood that a wildfire, if it were to spark in that area, could continue like it might burn all the trees in one area, but it's not going to be able to jump from the area that you've just clear cut. So it's forest management. And the reason why you one of the reasons why you see all those wildfires in in California is they don't allow responsible logging. But there's another reason why the Biden administration is moving in this direction. One, they know that the Endangered Species Act uh, is is a method by which they can easily control states. Wyoming is a really good example of that. Right now, we're trying to get grizzlies delisted and the federal government and specifically the United States Fish and Wildlife Service is resisting that, claiming that the grizzly is still endangered, even though the grizzly population is more than double what the what the Endangered Species Act or that part of the Endangered Species Act lists for a sustainable population. It's more than double the amount of bears they said we would have to have before the grizzly was delisted. So it has nothing to do with science. It has everything to do with control. Now, towards the end of the article, you find this little gem. Quote, these are promising steps to get us back to the Endangered Act's purpose, its power to protect. Attorney Kristen Boyles with Earth Justice said of new rules. Earth Justice. Now that sounds like an interesting group. I wonder what they're all about. I'm sure that they're very, very conservative. Uh, actually, they're not. And I'll tell you about it after the last break. Do you like hot wings? Well, if you don't, what the heck is wrong with you? 
Well, my friends, I happen to be obsessed with them. And the best wings you're going to find in the state of Wyoming come from the Wing It food truck. They make the most incredible wings. And it's not just hot wings. They have several other different flavors. I personally recommend the garlic Parmesan wings. They're amazing. And the way that you can figure out where that truck is going to be is go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com, and look underneath the Sponsors tab, and you can find their schedule there. That way, you can plan your entire week around where that truck is going to be. That's the Wing It Food Truck. Morton Buildings is one of the leading metal building companies in America. They manufacture a lot of their own materials, and they've been doing this longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So it doesn't really matter if you need a garage or a barn or maybe a roping arena so you can do all of that rodeo stuff when it's 23 below zero, or perhaps a giant warehouse for your business. You should give my friends Nick and Jesse a call at 307-674-2532. Just tell them what you're thinking, and they'll handle all the details. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. And now, the conclusion to our program. is Earth Justice. Well, they're a radical environmental group of lawyers, and they are the ones that have been pushing lawsuits perpetrated under the under the the wings of the Biden administration for a whole host of environmental issues. Their their stated goal is to pursue uh, litigation against administrations to further um, economic goals. Now, there's a great website called Influence Watch, and you can find like any group that you that has a flowery sounding name and you don't exactly know who they are. More likely than not, you you can find them on Influence Watch. The website is influencewatch.org, and any of these shady groups, um, they they've got a an article about them. Uh, a while ago, I did an, I did an episode about Liz Cheney's. Uh, election funding. And most of the information, well, I got a lot of it from the FEC, but most of the real juicy stuff I got from Influence Watch. So um, in an an entry on Influence Watch, Earth Justice, and I'm quoting here, Earth Justice, and see if this rings a bell, formerly the Sierra Club Legal Defense Fund. Where have I heard the Sierra Club before? Oh, yeah, I remember. Governor Mark Gordon is a public interest law firm that litigates cases related to left-leaning climate and energy policy, often on behalf of left-leaning climate policy organizations, such as Greenpeace, Friends of the Earth, Center for Biological Diversity, Rainforest Action Network, and the League of Conservation Voters and the Environmental Defense Fund, Natural Resources Defense Council. Now, the important part in this first little paragraph is the Sierra Club Legal Defense Fund. Remember, Mark Gordon used to be on the board of the Sierra Club before he got into Wyoming politics. 
Earth Justice's initial funding came from the Ford Foundation. It has received significant financial support from several other left-leaning foundations, such as the Sandler Foundation, the MacArthur Foundation, David and Lucille Packard Foundation, and the Brainerd Foundation. I don't know who those people are in that list, but the cool thing about this Influence Watch website is you can click on all of those foundations and you can find out who funds them and who's behind them. So Earth Justice works with local activists to achieve left-leaning climate and energy policy goals, such as two projects in 2018 and 2019 to impede production of new natural gas-fired power plants in California. A community-based incentives program was launched in 2018 with the announced goal of helping local activists block oil and gas production. Earth Justice has made it a priority to oppose everything that the Trump administration tried to do uh, with our, our natural resources. So, like I said, they were formerly known as the Sierra Club Legal Defense Fund. Um, their funding through the Ford Foundation helped Earth Justice mature from an organization backed by lawyers with other jobs to a law firm with infrastructure, staff, etc. Its structure as a law firm was based upon the model created by the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, the NAACP. Now, while they're not technically associated with the Sierra Club right now. That ended in 1997. But if we scroll down to the uh, to all of their financials, they have a significant amount of money. Examples of their left-leaning foundation donors include the JPB Foundation, and let's find out who they are. Hold on just a second. They gave them $2 million in 2017. Okay, so these folks focus on poverty issues, and the foundation makes a number of grants to left-of-center advocacy and community organizations. Um, they've got, oh boy, um, they got $350,000 from Hewlett-Packard, um, $4.69 from the MacArthur Foundation. Uh, what else? Let's see here. Other donor organizations. Hmm. Oh, the Tides Foundation. You guys remember who they are, don't you? The Tides Foundation is a, a left of center advocacy organization, and they're kind of like one of these left left leaning dark money centers. The Tides Foundation is a major center left grant making organization and major pass through funder to numerous left leaning nonprofits. It was started in 1976 by a guy named Drummond Pike, a professional political activist who started at the Democracy Alliance. If the Democracy Alliance doesn't ring a bell, it's funded mainly by George Soros through his foundation to promote an open society and George Soros's open society foundations. In total, George Soros gave the Tides Foundation $22 million, and part of that went to the, the group Earth Justice. They're also funded by this fabulous guy named the Wies Foundation. Hans-Jörg Wies. He's, uh, he's from Switzerland, and he's another one of these left-leaning um, left Democrat Party funders. The Wies Foundation is a private foundation established in 1998 by Swiss billionaire and former CEO Hans-Jörg Wies, an environmentalist activist and former CEO of the controversial medical device manufacturer Synthes. The private foundation is based in Washington, D.C. and has donated tens of millions of dollars to left-leaning causes. 
In April of 2021, the New York Times criticized the Burger Action Fund, and that's another fund that this Vise organization gave money to, for donating $10.8 million between 2016 and 2017 to the 1630 Fund and the New Venture Fund. Both of those are in bed with uh, with Bill and Melinda Gates. You see, this whole thing is one giant spider web, and the more you start digging into it, the more you'll realize that it's run by a very, very small group of people. So now let's get back to the to the Casper Star Tribune article. So <laughs> Earth Justice, and that's those are the folks that are that are funded by the Tides Foundation, who is funded by George, Soros, who is perpetrating the lawsuit that that is trying to roll back all of these endangered species act um, species. I mean, and they're interested in wolves and grizzlies and sage grouse and pretty much any type of of animal that you see in the newspapers, you know, that they're threatened or they're they're threatened with extinction. My whole point here is anytime you allow bureaucrats to dictate environmental policy, it doesn't have anything to do with science. It has everything to do with taking your money and gaining more control over your life. You know, my dad used to be a game and fish warden. I mean, this is way back in the early 1980s. But he he says all the time that the really good wildlife biologists went to work for the Wyoming game and fish. If you really stunk as a biologist, you went and worked for the United States Fish and Wildlife Service. I mean, most of those folks that run that are bureaucrats and are and the the furthest thing from their mind to actual science. So all of this environmental policy you're seeing in the Casper Star Tribune with the Mustangs, as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, none of it is dictated by science. All of it is dictated by political agenda. Well, that'll about do it for today's installment of Cowboy State Politics Live. Coming on Saturday's installment of Weekend Update, I'm going to continue my investigation into what's been happening with the finances of Johnson County. And I have to tell you, my friends, I've got a pretty big breaking news, not announcement, but a breaking news tidbit to tell you about. Seems like Johnson County plays favorites where its pensions are concerned. I know you find that hard to believe, but it's absolutely true. Now, if you're if you listen to yesterday's program, if you haven't, you should go back and check it out. But all of the documentation that's necessary to back up everything that I was saying is available on the website. So we'll get back to the investigation into Johnson County on Saturday's program. So for now, from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson. And this is-